You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today on Max's Island, I'm joined by Shane Landers. Welcome to the island, Shane. Hi, Max. Thank you for having me. Shane, guests on Max's Island have the great opportunity to tell a story about that time in their life where they might have done something for themselves. They might have had a career change. They might Life might have just thrown them a bit of a curveball and they'd, they'd followed something. Or even more importantly, something that has influenced their passion to do something different may have occurred in their life. Do you have that time in your life where that may have happened to you? Oh, Max, uh, definitely I agree. I've, I've had that more recent than any other time before um, where I've um, been given an opportunity to work in a remote community in the middle of nowhere, if I'm being exact. I was somewhere 50 kilometres from the Northern Territory and about three and a half hours away from Halls Creek. So I was dead bang in the middle of nowhere. So, uh, you know, you talk about life-changing events or uh, opportunities. Yes, that was definitely me. So I've been twice to the, to the same school to work in. I'm, I'm happy to say that I'm um, currently an assistant principal in a primary school and have been part of education for just about 14 years. And I'm looking at expanding my horizons to be uh, the man that sits in the hot seat for those of you that don't know what it means to sit in the hot seat, it means to be the principal of the school. And um, I've always been a person who believes in never expecting someone to do something you're not prepared to do yourself. And the Kimberly calling has been something that I've always uh, been intrigued by, uh, but have never had the opportunity. And uh, in recent years, I was, um, I've been uh, accepted into a scholarship program as part of what's called Aspiring Principles. Just a little bit of context, it's basically um, for 20 people who aspire to be those principals. And within that group, I um, sort of <laughs> put the challenge out there that I am prepared to go and to do the, the hardest job I find in the world, um, but in the area of most need. And um, from that situation, I was challenged, presented, or given the opportunity, as I like to say, to, to work in a remote community. And like I said to you, in one of the remotest places in WA. And uh, Max, I um, had to put my money where my mouth is and I grabbed the opportunity and <laughs> I went for it, not knowing fully where I was going or what I was doing. But like you said, one of those moments where 
you, you, you live for the moment. And that's what I did. I hopped on a plane and um, two planes later, that's where I ended up. So was that program through the education department or is it something that um, runs alongside that? It's not necessarily run through it. So um, I, I work for an organisation within the education department. It's, it's in the private sector. Um, I, I work, and I'm happy to say this, that I'm part of the Catholic sector, a great a great system that always encourages um, leaders to, to focus on service, and we, we follow the model of Jesus, and, and, and that, that's our mentor, that's our, our guide. So I'm, I'm part of that sector over there. So the program that I was running, uh, that I was a part of, is a program that they've, they've designed to help support uh, leaders coming through um, uh, Catholic education. But through that, we had a bit of a discussion about, you know, roles and responsibilities and what it takes to be a leader. And in that, I was very vocal in my support of the Indigenous community, um, but not just Indigenous community, all communities. But I felt that, you know, um, we have to start at home and I'm very passionate about supporting the Indigenous families and, and community in, in Australia. And I, I'm from South Africa myself, so I'm not an Australian. I wasn't born in Australia. However, I'm an Australian citizen. But it's just an area I felt passionate about. And um, the challenge was put forth at the time, and it was very informal. Yeah, a lot of people talk about supporting Indigenous communities, but who actually has um, the capacity? And if I'm being frank, the, the actual balls, or, 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 you know, to go and not just support but live and breathe it. And, and at that time, I was maybe put on the spot. Um, but before I answered, I really thought about it. And I said, yes, I not only have the capacity, I have the skills, the mindset, and, and I'll definitely be willing. So I put my hand up and said, well, if any opportunity came out, I would grab it no matter where it was. That was my words. So it really sounds like uh, the, the door was open and then you thought, I need to barge through here. I need to take it and... Um, See what's on the other side and and really take advantage of, of what's been presented to you. So, Shane, what was it like the very first time you went to the Kimberley? The very first time, I don't know how to describe it. It, it. It's a surreal feeling and I'm not trying to sound too cliche. I had no expectations. I had no understanding of where I was going. I knew it would be challenging. Um, but based on my previous life experiences, I, I backed myself. You know, I really backed myself and I thought I should be fine. I um, flew out to Broome and from Broome, I didn't realise it, but I had to take a charter flight to the remote community, which at first was pretty daunting on, on a, on a four-seater Cessna. There was a lot of things that I had to do prior to the visit. One of them was order food <laughs> from Woolies and I was a bit taken back. But my initial arrival, I had a, if I'm being honest, I think I had a 45-minute handover. Uh, with the principal, um, to, through no one's fault. Uh, what occurs for people unfamiliar with flying to the Kimberley is um, it's a two-and-a-half-hour flight from Broome, but there is a, a cut-off time on when the pilots can fly back to Broome. Right. So what, what basically happens is you fly to Halls Creek, Halls Creek you um, fill up fuel, and then you go to your community. So Halls Creek is the central point. So once they get to the community, then they have enough fuel to fly back. But there is a cutoff period because some of those flights can't occur at night time. So as I arrived in community, if I'm being honest, I my face went I went white. And I, I went white because I was confronted by scenes that I'd not ever I could not comprehend happen occurring in Australia, put it that way. And and, and this is someone who's traveled. I've been to the I've lived in the eastern states. 
I've driven across the Nullarbor Plains. Um, I, I thought I explored <laughs> Australia, but when I first arrived in the Kimberleys, especially where I was at in the rural community, uh, it, I was actually gobsmacked. I saw poverty. I saw broken homes. I saw cars that were upside down. I saw um, smashed windows. So the environment that I saw uh, was, was just insane. And the community that I was working in was, I think, 120 people. So there were only about 20 houses, if that, a school and a store. And that was it. <laughs> so I was, I was quite taken back. I tried to have my poker face on. You know, as a leader, we're always taught to have our poker face on. But I think my jaw was just <laughs> wide open <laughs> because I, 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 I could not comprehend what I was seeing. You know, we always talk about a school as a pivotal uh, part of a community. And I've seen that in the metro, but um, this school in particular is the pivotal point. It, 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 it is everything. Uh, for instance, the, the phones don't work in community. Um, there's no uh, public pay phones. So the school's um, landline, which doesn't exist anymore, the school's mobile now, is the central point for the community in regard to all communication outside of um, this area in particular. Um, it, it goes through the school emails, faxes, charter flights, school, um, you know, and when I was there, I had no idea. And so day one, I'm managing people's bank details. I'm doing Centrelink. I'm doing uh, royalties. I'm doing enrollment. So, um, yeah, in regard to the school, I felt that the school was serving a purpose, and you say, of support. Um, but it was just to the level that I'd never experienced or could never comprehend a school actually doing. And I was explicitly told that, the school's main purpose is to serve the community, which I totally, you know, accept and, and, and agree with. But to the extent that it was doing it was just um, totally different from what I had assumed a, a school principal would be doing. It, that's, and that's really interesting because I would imagine most of Australia, Australians would always think of support for a community being, you know, more formalised from other agencies and, there's probably many communities where the primary support network is either the school or the church or something like that that yep. that, that nearly sits outside the what you would think traditional welfare support agencies and in this case it's quite unique and it's and it's quite interesting that um you know your, your role as the the, the standing principal or the principal of the school becomes nearly like the mayor of the community. <laughs> yeah, you are You are one of the most important people in that community in so many aspects, you know, and, and this is where I had so, so much admiration for the principal who's, who runs it because I was only there for a couple of weeks. I was given the keys to the airport. <laughs> Never in my life have I ever owned keys to an airport. You, you, you have to facilitate not just the, the safety of, of your staff and your students, but... You know, the, the community members who might need um, a lift to the airport. Uh, you, 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 you've got one of the few cars in town. Um, you know, you, 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 you're running store runs. You're, you're supporting people. Um, uh, that sense of a village to raise a child, it, it's a village to raise a community. It, it was so inspiring to see, but, but very challenging because uh, like most people understand that whatever company you work in, there's always legislation, there's policy, there's red tape that you have to follow. And it was a couple of incidents where I had to say, well, I'm sorry, you know, my, my, my um, legal responsibilities 
I can't support that area. That's a different area there, which is really hard to tell someone because in that community in particular, other than the school, um, and there was a, a medical clinic and a store, that was it. Mm. And these unfortunate people have to live like that. The, the professional boundaries is is a challenge in any any area of human services, whether you know providing medical support, general support, or you know education. And it's it's much easier to identify that those boundaries, perhaps in the metropolitan area where there is a little bit more governance Definitely, around yeah. thing, and there are other stakeholders who who come in where you can stop. But I can imagine in a very small remote community where there are few stakeholders and the, the one, in this case, the school, is the primary stakeholder of supporting the community, then the, that, that, lo- that boundary line could be blurred very easily. And as you've said, at some stages, you do need to say, stop, I can't go further. Yeah. And um, I guess it's very hard because you're governed by your rules and uh, and your codes, um, but then also there's that uh, moral sense yeah. where you want to be so supportive. And, um, you know, for instance, I, I got clearly asked, you that classic example of, of someone needed some, some money to, to support them in their family. And, uh, and as a, my human instinct was, oh, sure, you know, here you go. Uh, but as uh, my, my profession... I cannot do that. That is against my profession. I had to explain it to the person and said, um, as much as I would love to support you in that way, I can't. I'm governed by rules and regulation, and that is not part of um, the process, which becomes very hard. But unfortunately, it's a job. And um, going out to the community, I think that's a very important thing to understand that, yes, there is a human side, but you're there for a purpose, and your purpose is your is your job. And you can't deviate from that. The community themselves, how appreciative are they of the school and the work that the school does to keep the community together? And and are they do they work in parallel or work very closely with the school? I think from my feeling the 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 community, my understanding of the historical context of the school was that um, the indigenous community asked the sisters back when the school was first established, and I don't know the exact date. To, to, to build a school. The school and the community is almost one where a lot of the people employed at the school, not, not the uh, teachers, uh, but a lot of our Aboriginal um, teacher assistants, our groundsmen, our, our canteen members are all people in the community. So that it, it's one. I love the fact that the school um, employs people in the community because it gives them that purpose it gives them that value. Um, they feel part of the school and the school feels part of them. So in that regard, it, it's almost one. A lot of events happen through the school. For instance, um, uh, NADOC Week is celebrated through the school. Um, a lot of our sacramental stuff through the school, but through the community, uh, whenever there are, for instance, we had um, a, a title meeting, um, the school supports um, the people coming through. So it, it's a very, each one goes hand in hand. But best way to answer it, they are all one. The school supports the community and the community definitely supports the school. I was so um, supportive in my last week of being there. I had um, four pallets of food from Food Bank. I had some play equipment. Um, I had a whole range of stuff. And the community saw me as the school unpacking it and said, well, you know, Shane, this is our school. We'll support you and we'll help you unpack it, you know. So 
they're they're all one. They're all one. Um, the school, everyone who works for the school is held in high regard, and 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 the school is very appreciative of the support the school does, not only for the students, but like I said, for the community in that sense. Yeah, beautiful to see. Great, Shane. The your sense of awe and wonder that you already expressed, you know, the first time you got there. How many times have you been back and do you still get that same feeling when you go there? Oh, well, I um, I was there for three weeks and I've literally just come back maybe um, two days ago. I got asked, I landed on the Thursday. I got a call back on Friday and my first response was yes. It is so, uh, first of all, it was a humbling experience to be asked to come back because it means that I did a great job the first time, but also for not only the staff but the elders because you, you can't do anything in community unless elders sort of not give permission but not approval but are part of that conversation. And the elders in particular had, um, had, had said, if we can have another standing, could it be Shane? So in, in regard for me going back, it, was, it wasn't a question of yes or no. It was a question of when. The community um, make you feel so welcome. I was very blessed in my first trip. Uh, everyone gets a welcome ceremony, but I was told that I was one of the few people on the last day um, they held a disco. <laughs> now, I know for a lot of people you, you talk about a disco and you think, oh, geez, that's <laughs> uh, back in time, you know, a disco. <laughs> Um, but they held a disco and the kids and the community are very respectful of your housing. So there's four houses where the teachers stay, which is on the outskirts of town, very close to the school, but the outskirts. But on that day, the first time there, and I was there for three weeks, students came to my house and they knocked on the door and they said they'd been instructed by the elders to come to this disco. And I was sort of taken back and the teacher said, that doesn't happen all the time. You know, so in regard to answering your question, I felt that they had accepted me. They had appreciated the work that I'd done. So when when I given the, when I was given the opportunity to go back, I did it with two hands. And the first time I arrived over there, one of the elders came and gave me a hug, which is not normal. It's not a normal thing, but um, I, I felt that love and affection. So definitely going back would be great. And I'm hopefully going back again um, later on the end of the year. So, um, yeah, it's it. It's just a community that seeks seeks love, if that's the word. Seeks someone who's there for the community and um, and, and gives it just as much. Jane, it seems like this adventure. This uh, we talked about it before. The door was the opportunity door was was open for you, and you barged through. You've experienced something that I guess you were hoping to get a positive experience out of it. Has this exceeded anything you could have imagined? Oh, by far, you know, by far. But, you know, in answering that question, Max, I, I think people need to understand that, be under no illusion, it's a party going over there. I think, you know, the person that I am that always looks at the positives and, and remembers that each day starts fresh, I think that has definitely helped me because there's a lot of challenges that you, that you get on the day and you have to have your poker face on. You have to believe that the next day is going to be a positive day. And if you have that mindset, then yes, to answer your question, it exceeds all expectations. But it only does that if you have that open mind and positive side to looking at everything that happens. And once you have that, I experience things that a lot of the teachers who had been there since the beginning of the year 
they, they were shocked. They were bamboozled. They said, how in this world have you experienced so many things in such a short amount of time? So I hope that answers your question over there. So it exceeded my expectations, but that's only because of the positive mindset and the openness that one has to have when they go into community because there are so many challenges, Max. I mean, I'm, we haven't even looked at schooling and education. Just the, the isolation, you know, the, the looking after other people's lives and stuff like that. You know what I mean? All that stuff. But you can only experience that quality stuff if you have that open mind. And I had one of the best experiences of my life, um, not only um, as a teacher, uh, as a leader in, in, in a school, but more so just as a person, seeing how other people live and allowing people to come in my, my life or my heart and in doing so, they allowed me to go into theirs. I'd like to ask you one final question. The experiences and the learnings that you've, you've just expressed to us, how does that impact on your day-to-day life now back in the city, back in your school as a deputy head? And do you take inspiration from that and, and take some, some learnings that, that help you continue to do your job better in the city? There are a lot of takeaways. I think it's it's. I've actually had to come back and um, take time on my own to sort of um, digress and uh, and just really take stock of what I've experienced, and and that's been a challenge. But in that being a challenge, it's taught me more as a leader that I have to be reflective and understand that being reflective doesn't happen in a moment or a nighttime. It sometimes takes time. I've definitely been humbled. In all regards, I've um, I've been inspired by seeing teachers and um, staff, not just in education, the, the medical professionals that were there, um, the store owner, just been inspired by people who are so dedicated to their professions and dedicated to give time away from family, loved ones, and anything that you afforded to in the metropolitan area. How has it made me a better person? I don't know yet, um, but it's definitely given me perspective. It's definitely given me uh, an extra lens. And we know in life we walk around with a lot of lenses. It's added to the many lenses that I have. Regarding the Indigenous community, I have so much more respect for um, the way of life, the understanding of uh, where they've come from and, and some of the challenges that, that they experience in now, but also the lack of understanding that a lot of us non-Indigenous people have about the Indigenous culture. But, yeah, it, it, it was an amazing experience. It's something that I would wholeheartedly ask anyone to do themselves, just purely to, to have that understanding, which, which should make you a better person and, and, and just give you that perspective on, on, on life. And the kicker is this is in Australia. The kicker is it's in WA. The kicker is it's... It's here. It, it, it's not in some foreign place. Um, people are struggling. People are living really challenging lives, and, and it's right here at home. And, you know, if we, we, we're always quick to help out in other areas. We're quick to judge, but um, we need to really just take that time to discern what's occurring around us and have a look and never know. You, you might be able to help out and something's right next to you. Shane, that's a great way to finish. Thanks for passing on that piece of real strong wisdom. Really enjoyed your story. It's been a great experience for you. Thanks for sharing it to the listeners on Max's Island. And I hope in the future we get the opportunity to 
chat with you again to find out how that journey has gone and what other experiences you've had with that remote community. So thanks for being on Max's Island. Thank you, Max. Thanks for having me. And everyone keep safe. And um, thanks, Max. We'll chat later. On the way home from work, he was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur, all work and all play. And how, how had it turned out this way? Short-term escape, five weeks on the Bibbulmun track Go it alone, no one to blame If he finished or fell by the way No one's an island, but sometimes it's good to pretend His mind was as clear as the sky Completely alone, no emails or phone and nothing